Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. back on the podcast it's been a long time coming we had to do a lot to get here <laughs> but here we are yes yes we uh, enjoy doing it it's it's a it's a hobby but it's fun you yes. know and it, and it connects us in a way that we don't normally get to it has helped us talk through a lot of topics very true and and produced a lot of good discussions so um i just Jess was just recently having a conversation with someone where they brought up the whole, you know, there we used to be really afraid of like rock and roll and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> there was like a whole weird thing that happened, and Jess was like, "Yeah, so my, you should check out my husband's podcast." <laughs> I've had several people that have talked to me about some of the episodes that they're listening to right now. It's just funny the, the things that trigger people in a positive sense, like that that they get into or that they are all about, you know, just for, for the, for the various episodes that we've had and the wide range of topics that we've covered. Yeah. But if you come up to me and you say, Hey, I started listening to your podcast. My response to everyone is, Oh no, please don't. Yeah. My response <laughs> is usually, do I need to apologize? <laughs> That's my first question is, do I need to apologize to I you do because you're listening much better if I'm just talking to Nate and I don't imagine more people than yes, that listening yes. to me. <laughs> I'm sure there are many people who have been offended by what we do, and that's part of why we do it. I think offense is good. I think it makes you face the realities of why you hold something dear or not. I think it's good to be offended every once in a while. Yeah, I was reading something this week about how movements are never are never mainstream. Movements are always radical in some yeah. way. That's what makes them a movement. Yeah. And and they can be confrontational, they can be very direct, but it's those kinds of things that move people eventually to taking action and doing something. So, yeah. and, and that's why we're attracted to hearing something that may offend us, that may be a different than what we hear and that type of thing. But then we're also in our culture today, if we're offended, then we feel like morally superior, right. coming that, down on somebody that's trying to teach us something. Anyway. Yes. So. Speaking of offense, I, my, my wife has a paperweight down here on her desk. And I was just picking this thing up and looking at it. And first of all, I've, I've never seen a paperweight that I looked at and thought to myself, that's really nice. They're mostly just really kitschy and weird. But paperweights are probably one of the most pretentious items that you can purchase. I don't think I've ever bought a paperweight. Yeah. I think they're the kind of thing that just appears yeah. in your house. yeah. I don't know who I mean, brings this one, them home. This one looks like it was it was purchased at a vacation spot. It's got like seashells in it and weirdness and it has a But I would never buy a paperweight on vacation. You have to carry that thing around. I I mean, who buys this thing's essentially a rock. It's it's a it's a it's made out of resin of some kind. Yeah, or or glass, I'm not sure, but it's just a rock. Like go get a rock or or pick up a pen or something on your table and put it on top like we're inside. There's no wind. Like, wh wh why I do you ever, need a paperweight? I've never needed a paperweight. No. I grab something else in my desk. You know and the set only. It there. You know the only people who need paperweights, murderers who are about to use them on people. <laughs> they go to a desk. Seriously, how many times have you seen in a show crime of passion moment where somebody gets murdered and they grab a paperweight on somebody's desk and I don't know that the I've ever seen someone murdered with you a paperweight. You have not watched enough Matlock. I don't watch shows where people get murdered well, all that often. Well, you don't really see it. It's just, anyway. But yeah, I find, I find paperweights very pretentious. I think They're I've probably very... seen more people killed with a pen than I have with a paperweight. I've never seen They always take a pen, a pen and like oh. stick it in their neck. Oh, okay. Fair like enough. Right here, fair and enough. Yeah, I got that. that immediately immobilizes the person and they fall yes. over, which doesn't that's happen. reality. Yeah. You get stuck in the neck with a pen, you're swinging with everything oh. you got. We should do a podcast one time about 
Hollywood being a giant lie and all the things we could do it we tonight. Think. We don't have a straightforward no, plan, but we'll see where we end up with that. Anyway, sorry, that was random, but okay, I, it was random so that I picked it up. So there it is. Paperweight. Tonight, well, we're just going to describe things. Yes, in, we're just going to describe the things in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Tonight's opening <laughs> segment, we're jumping down to matchup 32 on the bracket. Yes. If you need to see the bracket, it's on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, but we're doing a tournament where we're putting head-to-head different things that people are afraid of or that we're told <laughs> to be afraid of. That we need to be afraid of. Yes. And, and our goal is to narrow these things down because if one thing is more scary than the other, then why would we spend a lot of time being scared of that other thing? Totally. So we need to find out what what it is that we should be most scared about. So we need to discuss all of this and bring it to some conclusion. Yes. Um, I think that tonight we're going to talk about both of these, and I'm not necessarily taking up a position. Nate's not necessarily Mm -hmm. taking a position. We're just going to talk about them and then decide which is the scariest. So tonight. Tonight, it is the national debt versus serial killers. <laughs> which is more scary? And this this first round is all about which is more scary to us. Right. We'll let you guys get involved right. past that. But it's like, which do we think is legitimately more scary? Yeah. Well, and this is one of those things where I, I find it weird because I find I find both of these things scary, and yet I both also I also find them not scary, because my position yeah. going into this is that I'm more scared of the national debt than I am of yes. serial killers, and and, and I don't really think I'm afraid of either one of them. So it's going to be kind of weird. Here's why: serial killers today, and I was just looking up most recent serial killers, mostly. If you don't want to get killed by a serial killer, try not being a prostitute. Or a hitchhiker. Or, yes. Now, the serial shooter in 2016 in Phoenix... Yeah, I remember that. He managed to kill seven people and wounded two... Wait, in 2016? Yeah. I was thinking of the shooter that was further back than that. The serial street shooter... Oh, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He killed seven people and wounded two, each time with a semi-automatic handgun. He always attacked at night and was seen by multiple witnesses standing outside of his car. Although the killings happened around the low-income neighborhood of Maryville, none of the victims seemed to be connected to each other. In August 2016, FBI sent profilers to Phoenix to assist in the manhunt. Yeah. And, and they got, they, uh, did they get him? Oh, this article doesn't say whether or not they got him, and they only have a sketch. That sucks. <laughs> See, I'm slightly more here, scared of serial killers. Here, well, but, here's here's but, the thing. Here's the thing that I do find scary about how serial is that killers. not gang related? Uh, who knows? Or, because the victims weren't connected, I guess, and they weren't. Well, and that, to me, is the one aspect of serial killers that's pretty terrifying. Is even though serial killers always have like a type or a a a particular target they it you never know what that's going to be like the 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 demographic of who will be attacked by a serial killer yeah. is wide open yeah um and, and so that part of it is scary and that it's a totally random thing um and you never know what's going to set somebody like that off um i <laughs> yeah now this guy uh, the Maniac of Agarsk. Agar? Agarsk? How do you spell it? Just spell it. A-N-G-A-R-S-K. This is probably the most recent one. Uh, in December of 2018, Mikhail Popkov, known as the Maniac of Agarsk, received a second life sentence when he confessed to 56 additional murders oh, and a handful crap. of other crimes. He was serving a life sentence for murdering 22 women. He... Uh, used his status as an officer of the law to lure his victims to their deaths. And he's in one of the, what, like the old Soviet bloc countries? What country is he from? He's one of Russia's deadliest no, serial See, killers. there you go. Okay, there, there are a lot of crazy former Soviet... Ser- I, I think it's because they employed so many uh, 
sociopaths and psychopaths in the KGB, the and then they all just got cut loose when the Soviet Union collapsed. And that was 2018, and it was in Russia. That 2016 one was in Phoenix. Then you have September 2016 uh, guy that killed seven women. And then you had the Craigslist Ripper. That guy was a Long Island killer. From 96 to 2013, murdered 17 people, who 17 was, women. Who, when you started to say the shooter in Arizona, I was thinking, that who was the guy? There was a, there was a Muslim. It was like a... A, a teenager and a... Basically a, Muslim terror attacks. Yeah. There was an older guy and a teenager, and yeah. they were in, in a car. It was like... That was like 20... What was that? Like Oof, 20... It was like... I don't know. 2010, maybe maybe earlier. Then you go back to 2012. This guy committed eight murders. But the problem was this dude was all over the continent, from Alaska to New York to Washington to Vermont. Yeah. And he was just idolizing Ted Bun- Bundy. Which is horrifying. That yeah. dude was And then you have the up. Cleveland Strangler, Anthony Sowell. Oh, yeah. Those were all... Prostitutes in Cleveland right. from tw- 2007, 2009. Yeah. My point, and the reason I'm not scared of serial killers as an active thing where I'm afraid of them is because, first of all, I don't put myself in a situation right. very often where somebody would have the chance to do serial killer type things with me. Right. I don't random, I don't sleep with random strangers. I don't meet people for Craigslist ads. Right. In a place that isn't well lit at night or, you know, that isn't a public place in the middle of the day, (laughs) you know. And most people in Ohio, if you come to a Craigslist meet, you have to think the other person is armed. Yeah. Because I would say over half the people that I've met on Craigslist have been armed. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) They're looking out for themselves. That's right. You know, but... Yeah, go so ahead. anyway, go ahead. yeah, for me, I'm like, I don't, I don't put myself in those situations. I'm not sleeping with random people. I'm not going away with people. I'm not getting in random cars as a matter of practice, unless right. it's an Uber, which still weirds me out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. The Uber and Lyft thing, I've done it. I'm not wild about it. Yeah. I think I did an Uber once in DC, but there was such a wide variety of them there that it didn't feel, it just felt like a taxi because there were so many of them just even around. That's the only time that being afraid of serial killers like gets in my head just a little bit. Because you're like, getting in a car with a random stranger? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not better when like, it's a taxi cab. I'm like, well, in a taxi cab, you're kind of like, I don't know. It lulls you into a false sense of security because you think that they're actually accountable to somebody other than themselves. Right. And they should be, but they might not be. They might just be somebody in what looks like a cab. My point is, these serial <laughs> killers are stretched out over years, and there's not more than a couple, and it's only, and they're stretched out like maybe two years in between, three right. years in between. Right. And, I mean, if you look at the number of people that die by different things, I bet there was more people killed by falling down steps easily. I, I would not doubt that. <laughs> so, but what about the people that were pushed down steps by serial killers? Great. So no. I'm just I think, saying. I think we glorify it too much. I'm not actively afraid of serial killers. Yeah. The national debt, I feel like at some point, okay, in my personal life, if yes. I borrow too much money and I can't pay it back, I know that that's bad. Right. And I get the same feeling about the government doing it repeatedly. Am I wrong? That like there's like this ominous foreboding that if we borrow maybe a hundred trillion more, we're sitting at what twenty two trillion. Where do we stop? Like where does it end? I, is twenty two mm, trillion okay and fifty trillion is bad? But I, th- I, my thing is, is that it's it's all relative. It's all relative to inflation. It's all relative to standards of li- like. We this look, sounds we were, weird we were, with your conservative uh it, it, no i i am but it's 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 one of those things that i have just accepted as an evil that exists i i think it is possible for the united <laughs> states to pay off the national debt but why it, is it evil if if it doesn't matter how much we have i'm just saying i don't i don't think it's something that i'm actively afraid of because if you look at national the national debt that we've had over the years it's always been astronomical relative to 
what the economy was like at the time. We were reading some statistics before, and during the Civil War, it spiked from 65 million to 2.7 billion. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's a huge number at that time. You know, when, when you know, I don't even know what guys were make people were making as, as, you know, typical standard of living. But, I mean, yeah, you were wealthy if you had a few hundred thousand dollars, like you were good, you know, in that, in that era, in that economy. So it's always been astronomical relative to everything else that's going on. Again, I think it's, I think it's important. I think it's something we should address. But I don't see it as something that has not existed almost equal to the amount of time that the United States has existed. It's not like it's a new problem. It's just numbers that are new to us, and so we're freaked out by them. But there, think about how freaked out people were going to $2.7 billion yeah. during the Civil War. I mean, that's a, that's a huge number. There are 11 countries more in debt than us. See? Are they all Western countries? As a percentage of their GDP. Are they all Western countries? Japan is the most in debt. Really? By percentage of GDP, they are they are they have 126 million people in their country. Mm-hmm. And they are 234% of their GDP in debt. Wow. That really surprises Greece me. Greece is second. Oh, that doesn't at surprise 181. me at all. Think how big that gap is though between yeah. first and second in Greece is like an epic debt trouble. Yeah. I think that's my fear. Is that we would become Greece, and after a while, the other countries are like, hey, brother, are you ever going to pay that back? Like, but you're think, really unstable here. But think of how many centuries it took Greece to become Greece, because Greece has been around for a long time. The, the so it's third, relative again. The third is, is Sudan. These are all not places I want to be. I don't want to live in Greece. I don't want to live in Sudan. I don't want to live in Venezuela or Lebanon. <laughs> But Italy seems okay, and they're like six. I'd be okay with living in rural Japan. I wouldn't want to live in the cities. The cities in Japan freak me out. Eritrea, Barbados, Cape Verde. <laughs> how, how are you guys in debt? I don't, um, what are you doing with your money? <laughs> Portugal, Mozambique. How, Portugal? <laughs> <laughs> so, again, like, I don't understand Portugal and Greece. Like, you guys should have, like, yeah. tourism. Well, There's got to be something that keeps And that's you the thing is, is... And I, then it's the United States. When I, when I think of... Singapore follows us. How is Singapore in debt? I, what, what I... And that's, I guess, the thing that I don't understand is... I guess, I guess maybe I don't have a healthy understanding of... What, what are we actually afraid of when we talk about the national debt? I'm afraid of becoming Venezuela or Greece. But, That's what I'm afraid of. And 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 granted, basically, your money becomes worthless. All of a sudden, there's massive instability in the market, in every market yes. within your country because your money isn't stable. And I get that, but the dollar Our money is already fiat money. It's not real. It's very not true. tied to anything. Very true. Real. Which is which? It's been that way since the '70s. Thank you, Richard Nixon. He got yeah. us off the gold standard. So it's not tied to anything real. So it is whatever they say it is. Right. And as soon as people lose faith in it because you're so overextended. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it just seems like a relative thing to me. I, I, I don't know. We are more in debt than the Congo. That's <laughs> not great. Oh, man. France is better in debt than we are. Well, of course they are. Come on! Their military just won their first naval battle like in like 150 or 200 years, like since the revolution, like and just a go. few years ago. I guess I don't really understand money and debt necessarily because Canada is only at 83% of GDP in debt. And... But again, they're right there with like wanna, the UK. You they're know, pretty close. But you want to know the things, and that, yet their money is worth less than ours right now, and they're struggling to keep that exchange rate intact. And that's the thing is, like, I I don't think anybody really understands what this actually is and what it means. Like, we're told to be afraid of it all the time, but I've never had somebody. Are we? I, oh, who's telling us to oh, be afraid of the, the time? Debt? All the time, talking about spending, needing to reduce spending. Need to, and again, I agree. I think Only we should. On the I think right. And I and there's, I get there's that there's people on the right. It, it comes up from like right, right, right wing politicians right. from time to time. But nobody on the left. No, is saying nobody we on the left is saying no, no. And 
And even in practice, a lot of people on the right aren't, aren't great with that anyway. But again, my thing is I don't understand what, like, because you point at something like Greece or you point at Venezuela, there are way more factors beyond their debt that make them what they are in terms True. of their problems. I would say their debt is minimal of what their issues are that have led to, led to... Now, that becomes the central issue once everything else falls apart. Who's at the bottom of the list with the least amount of per capita GDP debt? I don't know why I want to... Brunei. S- <laughs> <laughs> and then Afghanistan. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, Afghanistan is we're... 6.32% of their GDP is debt because we paid for it. <laughs> we paid for the privilege of bombing them. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, yeah, I, and that's the thing. I guess my biggest thing with the I national mean, debt. I mean, I expected the Emirates, but you're talking about Russia. Russia, 19%. They're doing great. Yeah. What was ours They're again? not in debt. A hundred and some odd awful percent. Hold on. A hundred and nine. I mean, yes, percent that's of our total gross domestic product. The amount of everything we produce in our country in a given year, a hundred and nine percent of that is our debt. Yeah. That's bad. I I don't disagree. That has to mean something bad is coming, right? I. I don't know. It just seems like one of those things that we're perpetually... That, that bad because Afghanistan doesn't have it, and there's no way I'm moving no, there. No, no. Uh, I don't know. I, don't re- I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know what to, what yeah, to make Russia's of that. Russia's doing great. They're not far behind Afghanistan. Maybe, maybe the national debt does make more sense to be afraid of because I don't think anybody really <laughs> understands what it means. Well, there's a lot of oil-rich countries, so like Brunei, oil-rich... Mm. You know, uh, United Arab Emirates, oil rich, Russia, oil rich, you know. Um, we are, but we don't use it. Thank you, EPA. Saudi Arabia is doing good. But I don't know. Some of these I don't understand. Anyway. I just, yeah. I just don't. Who yeah. do we move ahead? Are we more afraid of serial killers or the national debt? We'll go with the national debt. I get this weird sense of foreboding yeah, about it's, the national it's, debt. It's like, it's serial like that. killers are like startling scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like jump out of the refrigerator and it's say, like, boom. Oh, there was a guy in Cleveland that yeah. like killed 17 people. That's odd. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll go with the national debt after okay. talking through this because. It is. It is this looming kind of behemoth that's just kind of sitting over everybody's head, and we all know it, and we don't really know what to do with it. It is kind of the elephant in the room yes. in political uh, rooms. Yes. It's like, yeah, we can spend this on this budget, and everybody's kind of <laughs> like, from what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody's got their pet project. In the back of their mind. But it's like, you know, once people start throwing enough money around, you're kind of like, yeah, I'll take some for my thing too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's the big the problem. problem. Yeah. Oh man. So All right. So what are we actually talking about? Tonight? I don't know if we know no, what we're th- actually we, talking about. We don't about necessarily. Tonight. We'll we'll put a title on this. Yeah. I've I I just feel combative to be real honest and not like I want to be combative so with let Sheldon. Me, let me read uh two tweets for you. We we were talking about our last podcast talking about going back to church on Easter yes. weekend. We went to church. It was the same weekend a lot of people went to church. And a lot of, a lot of Christians were, were uh, celebrating Easter. Uh, a lot of Jewish people celebrating Passover. It, it's a very holy weekend um, on the church calendar. Hillary had this to say on the mm-hmm. Sri Lankan attacks. There was churches attacked in Sri Lanka. Yeah. And... Uh, what, over, 200 over 200 some killed. people died. Uh, I, the number went up depending yeah. where you look. Women, children, a lot of just horrific attacks. Anyway, it wasn't all in churches. Like there was one that wasn't a church. It was in yeah. a hotel. Most, but it was mostly But churches. people had traveled there to attend Easter celebrations. Hillary's tweet, on this holy weekend for many faiths, We must stand united against hatred and violence. I am praying for everyone affected by today's horrific attacks on Easter worshipers and travelers in Sri Lanka. 
Obama's tweet was, the attacks on tourists and Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka are an attack on humanity. On a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal, we pray for the victims and stand with the people of Sri Lanka. I'm, I, I'm less bothered by Barack Obama's tweet overall. Yeah. Hillary Clinton's... Mm. Well, she does say she was praying. Uh-huh. I, what, what bothers me is the amount of time that you take to go out of your way to not say... Christians. Christians. Yes. It is, it is insane. It is insane. Even especially if, even by, especially wanna, by two people who claim to be Christians. Even if you don't want to pin the blame on Muslims yes. yet, because not all the facts are in, I get it. We don't know exactly what the situation is on the ground. We don't know what went into the planning phase of this or who's behind it. Great. But say that the bombing happened in a church. Yeah. And I'm a Christian. I am not an Easter worshiper. Yeah. My faith is much more. If you're going to talk about a faith and you're going to mention a holy day, yeah. you've got to go further than that. Yeah. I am a Christian. The reason I'm celebrating Easter at all yeah. is because of Christ's victory over the grave. That's it. <laughs> well, and I think it's funny, too, that she said, for many faiths. What many faiths? It's Jews and Christians over this weekend. Yeah, I would challenge her to find one more faith. Yes. To make this many faiths. Yes. That's just pluralism and pandering at its absolute worst. No doubt. No doubt. And this and this gets to the heart of this and, for and me. Like, go ahead. No, please no, go you, ahead. You can, you can go. go into the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue for me is the disingenuousness of it. Like, yes. if you look at what the responses were to the, to the Christchurch shooting, which was horrific yeah. and should have been condemned at every level. And yes, it was a human tragedy. And yes, it was despicable and should and was called out, should be and was called out for it yeah. by everyone universally. Yes, great. But then for something like this to happen, where the death toll is far more, where it's even more pernicious and more just disgusting because you're targeting women and children and all these things in well, mass. Christchurch but I mean, too. but I mean, in mass, like this is like what's the maximum amount of damage we can do coordinating yeah. in his amongst own way, multiple the Christ people? Church, uh, like we're not making a false equivalence no, no, no. here. We're just my, saying no. But my equivalency there was this dude was just trying to make a. He's nuts, but trying to make some political thing. Like if you, I've heard enough about his manifesto, which I didn't read, but I've heard enough about it. I wish like, the media had done a better oh, job of deep sixing the manifesto I'm, and, I'm, and and yeah. and definitely taking down the video. Yes, like Twitter being so stringent on some things, but allowing that video to persist as long right. as they did. But again, it 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 feeds the disingenuous narrative that's always trying to be pushed in in these kinds of things. Um, and you know, the, the minute something like that happens, every conservative with a gun is blamed for it. The NRA is blamed for it. You know, Donald Trump is blamed for it. But then something like this happens in, in Sri Lanka where this happens all the time, all over the world. And we're going to pretend like this, we're just so surprised that something like this would happen. And And no one is blamed for it. No, and no one's blamed for it. And I'm like, and I'm not trying to say that we need to assign blame, but stop Stop with the pandering. Like, say what you mean, mean what you say, and let what you have to say stand. Don't just sit here and try to just work your way around something because it doesn't fit the worldview that you want to have or fit your constituency or it's not politically correct. Like, it's garbage. Like, say what things are. Call them what they are. Right. And let the chips fall where they may. Neither, it's okay. Neither of those tweets has said anything about terrorism. They said... No. They said violence, we're, we have to stand united. Okay, this bothers me. Stand united against hatred and violence. Yes. What I want to know is where we got Terrorism. into this. Where do we get into this place where violence is inherently evil? Well, because violence in and of itself is not inherently evil because sometimes violence has to be met with, with equal force. Right. If you see someone just beating the tar out of a kid in a public park. Yes. And it, and you're like, hey, man, you want to knock that off? And, like, he's actually doing damage to this kid. Now you have a choice. He hasn't knocked it off. Yeah. And none of your choices are good. No. Like, you can't call a cop. That's not going to do anything. Right. You can go make a scene, and if that doesn't stop anything, you've one choice left. Right. And the only loving thing to do at that point right. is to commit a act that can only be described as violent. Right. It would be assault in right. any other situation. Right. 
go over and start wailing on him. Right. And that's the thing is like there's there's just this automatic correlation, this automatic thing that always gets talked about in these that as if violence in and of itself is is an evil and it's not. At, it, in many ways it is an it is a kind of an amoral thing because it's it's all about what that what the violence is being directed at and why. Uh, you know, was 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 World War II fighting Nazism was that evil? No. It was a necessary thing. It had to happen. Yeah. You know, that, and you can go down the list of times when, when there's, been, there's been an equal force applied to someone that's being aggressive. And again, it's not ideal. It's not what anybody wants, but it is not evil. It's a tool. And what it's being used for is what defines it as good or bad. And right. so just this narrative now that always that violence, we're, we're going to throw out the word violence as if it automatically has evil connotations. Yes, violence is in the world because evil is in the world, but not all violence is evil. Right. Defensive violence. Right. Defensive Some, violence just is justifiable just in necessary. some cases, depending, depending on the situation. Oh, man. I, but, my other thing is we've, we've moved. The, the, the thing that bothers me is the coordination uh, of saying Easter worshipers. Yeah. Someone put that out there. Yep. There's no way that Barack Obama sat in a soundproof room you know, and compose this on a pen and paper somewhere. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Like, there's no way he thought it up out of his own head and said, you know what, I'll tweet Easter worshipers. And yeah. Hillary Clinton independently said, huh, yeah, me too. I'm going to go ahead and tweet <laughs> Easter worshipers. But I'm just, I'm... Uh... It, it's, be, it, it, it's because people were going out of their way not to say something because words are going to damage something. no. Words aren't going to hurt anybody right. in this situation. Right. Talk again, to us plainly. But Tell us what's going on. But that's become the narrative. Words are violence, and violence is evil. That, is the, that has become the narrative now. You know words what? are incitement to violence. Everybody's words, if it disagrees with me, if it's quoting me, if it's whatever it is, oh, they're inciting violence against me. And so these people actually have to play by the rules that they've set out and say, well, if we, if we say something, if we, uh, name, if names. we say name, name names and say something against people that we consider marginalized, then we're going to be inciting violence against them. But yet they'll turn around and... and you know, look at somebody like Donald Trump and say he's not human. Like, you're literally dehumanizing somebody by saying that. Like, you're, like, literally doing the very thing you say you're not supposed to do. So I just, for me, it's not even, like, I'd be fine if it was consistent. Yeah. Like, and it is consistent, but it's not consistent in application. It's consistent in that every time this is what's going to happen. But if it was consistent application across the board, fine. I don't care how stupid I think something you're saying is. As long as you're consistent in your application, I'll give it to you. And, I, and by consistent, I'm, like, talking, like, 85% of the time you're consistent. Nobody's 100%. I get that. And again, I'm sorry. I know I'm really ranty about this, but I'm just frustrated beyond frustrated with this. And, and, and the, the pandering and just the petty little, like, look, it's like the, it's the worst kind of lying to people. And I yeah. hate it so much. And it just drives me crazy. Do we talk about this before about what could be done to stop mass shootings? Have we talked about that a little well, bit? It's interesting because we touched on the very thing with serial killers because there is a universal thing, um, both with serial killers now, but for su with suicide for a long time, yes. the media does not talk about these things. Yeah. They may bring it up, but they don't linger on it. They don't talk about. It. They don't get into like massive because there will be copycats. There will be so yeah. so and serial killers and 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 we may have talked about. This. I think we talked about it off 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 mic. Okay, so I want to discuss it a little bit. There was a case study, and I think when we talked about it, I had the article up and was going through it. But there was a case study done. Uh, I think people were committing suicide on the subway. Right. And it was in a particular city, and they had installed a subway, and people were jumping in front of the train. And so the media would report, mm -hmm. hey, you know, this guy died by suicide in the train, the subway train, blah, blah, blah. And they, would, they were seeing an increase in all of this. Yeah. And what was done was said, hey, we're not going to report on suicides ever. Yeah. We're not going to name we're not going to name this person, we're not going to name where they died, how they did it, right. blah blah blah, and we're going to be very careful about the information that we put out if if we put anything out at all. Right. 
that needs to start happening with mass shootings. But the only and it needs to start happening with like what happened in Christchurch. Oh, we found this guy's manifesto. Let's treat that like it is nuclear waste. Yeah. We're going to take it. We're going to seal it. We're going to know who knows. We're going to know who has it. Yeah. You know, and if he did what he did so publicly, we're going to do everything we can to decontaminate and put that back where, like, put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, CNN, Fox News, all these outlets, your local newspaper would have more stringent requirements in place, yeah. similar to what we do with suicides, because it helps not create those copycats. Right, right. And, and that's the thing to me, too, is, again, this is a disingenuous thing, because the reason it gets pushed is because there's a political agenda behind, there's, there's the movement to try to ban guns. Like, there is a legitimate political funded movement to take guns out of the hands of American citizens. And therefore, when a mass shooting happens, they can instantly turn the discussion to that. So the more they talk about it, the more they get into this, the more they talk about what gun the shooter used and why, what his motivations yeah. were. And now it's even turning into how can we tie this this killing to you know, a current polit- politician or political party that we disagree with or dislike. I would much rather the focus stay on the victims. Let's hear yeah. more about their story. Let's, you know, talk about who they were and what their dreams were and, like, name their names. Like, those are the names that we should be naming. Right. And and there is a good movement out there on some of our social platforms, like, say their names and, yeah. like, starts saying the names of people that there was acts of violence against. I, yeah. the, the, one of the first ones that really caught my attention with that, with, like, say their name, was Philando Castile. Yeah. And... And I was like, that that was great. They didn't target they didn't target the police officer or the situation as much, but they were like, we need to make his name known. Right, right. Like we need to get his story out there. And the more I looked at that as a gun owner, the more I was like, man, this is bad. Like that dude didn't do anything wrong, and he yeah. got shot in his own car. Like right. he he did not disobey didn't do anything right. wrong and there he got shot so i do think i do think there's power in whose names we use when we talk about these acts of violence and we should be naming the victims yeah and we should be like looking into even even like the pulse nightclub shooting yeah like let's say their names i don't know anything about anyone that died in that other right. than that they were at a gay bar at that time right and and I think it would be, it would be prudent of us to do more of that. And that's what bothers me about right. these tweets. Well, and you and didn't name the victims. You went out of your way. Right. You went out of your way to devalue the victims and the experience that they were there for. You, yeah. You made them Easter worshipers. Call them Christians. Right. Right. No. Totally. Totally. I'm with you on that. And but again, it goes. It cuts both ways because it's also the whole thing of like. We don't want to talk about the perpetrators anymore if they don't fit our agenda, if they don't fit the political agenda, if they don't fit the the social, you know, whatever the social pecking order is, the, you know, whatever that is. We're, and, and again, I, I look at I, I look at the whole thing of, um, you know, you look at uh, the, the Vegas shooting. We've talked about that. Like something about the Vegas shooter did not fit the narrative and we stopped talking about him instantly. I mean, within a week, we weren't talking about that guy yeah, anymore. It freaked me out how quickly it went away. It the still Vegas, does. The Vegas shooting went away so fast, and it was because he didn't fit cleanly. Right. He tied too closely to CIA. Yeah. He didn't have a good history. Yeah. He wasn't a right-wing right, right wing nut. Right. There was never anything given about how he got so many guns yeah. into a hotel. Have you ever tried to check in? At a massive hotel like that? Yeah. Now, check in with 20 ARs or something. Yeah. Good freaking luck. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too. Like, I'm even, I'm even highly suspicious of the whole, uh, the whole thing of, of Notre Dame burning. Because we've suddenly stopped talking right. about the cause. And it, and it went away real Really fast. quickly. And, and they're like, oh, we're going to investigate, and it's going to be no, no holds barred. We're going to go 
uh, through everything and find out who did this. Yeah. And it's and like, as soon as somebody said, uh, as soon as somebody said, construction yeah. as soon thing? as somebody said on the day of, we think it was an accident. Okay. Okay, we're good. Yeah, we accept. Never mind the fact that multiple churches in Paris and France around there had been vandalized and burnt down. And historic, like restaurants, historic restaurants, historic gathering places. Yeah. So, so again, type of thing. This, this is the problem. Is that I'm I'm looking at these things. I'm like, and again, I don't. I'm not saying we need to pin them on on. On Muslims, I'm not saying we need to pin things on Christians. I'm not saying I'm not saying we need to find you don't the need target. To pin them on a group. No, but but we we're being lied to for the sake of political correctness all the way around on these things. We're we're hearing a narrative pushed forward when it fits a certain agenda, and we're seeing things withheld when it doesn't. And yeah. and I'm disgusted by that. And this is just another another one of those examples. Sri Lanka is going to go away just as fast, just as quickly as as. Anything yeah. that happened there in Vegas or, yeah. Because, or the lives, because the lives to these people don't matter unless they can score political capital with it. And it's disgusting. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. And I don't know how. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm less bothered. I, I'm bothered with, with, with Obama's just over the Easter worshipers thing. Because, again, it's like, dude, come on. Like, you claim... You claim to be a Christian as well. You you know that like just just call it for what it is. But but as far as the rest of the language of what he had to say there, I don't I don't disagree with. I'm like yeah, that's that all that all fits. It's it's really close to what he would have said. Uh, what I think he said also over the Christchurch shooting. Yeah. Um, although he specifically spoke of Muslims in that sense being targeted. But other than that, it was you could you could lay them over top of each other and they're very similar. So yeah. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Again, the Easter worshippers thing bugs me a little. But like Hillary Clinton's, I'm like, you are what are you doing? Like, who are you trying to appease with this? Who are you trying to look good or score points with with this? And I'm just I am. It th- there's few things that I find so revolting as the politicization is the of these kind of tragedies. And I know people on they say people on the right do it all the time. And granted, there are some, but for the most Where's part, the it's the political points that the right is gonna score with a mass shooting. Right. And that's and what that's, is it? Yeah, that's my thing with that. Is is it's this is not an equally applied thing right now. Um, but I'm sure it has been maybe why, in the past. That's why but a lot of times it stays around as long. I, I that's why I'm suspicious of things that go away quickly. I'm like, well, maybe there was some points for the side that nobody wants to get yeah. points. Is that true? Yeah. Or we just are done talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because that one the the shooters that you were talking about the two. Um, the two guys that we were talking about a little earlier with the serial killer thing, that yeah. was one that went away pretty quickly too. Once once they realized that he wasn't what so many people suspect. I remember hearing a comedian, I don't even remember who it was, but he said, he said, you knew. He's like, when you heard that story that somebody was just out targeting people and just shooting them with a rifle, he's like, you knew it was some mullet, mullet wearing, tooth missing, you know, yeah. racist dude from from, you know, wherever you know Alabama or whatever it would be and that that's that was the guy doing and then you find out it's it's these two guys that are black and they're muslim and you're like nobody saw that coming and it, and again it, it was funny at the time hearing him say that because it was well enough removed from the whole thing that it wasn't like a as shocking as it could have been DC sniper yeah the DC sniper yeah okay there we go yeah and October 2002 yeah Oh okay. wow, that's so that 2002. Was the, yeah, that was a long time ago. That was a lot longer ago than I thought. But yeah, they Ten were shooting. Ten people were killed. Three were critically wounded in the Baltimore Washington metropolitan yeah. area. And they along were shooting from the, from the trunk of their car. They had a they had a like a little nest in the c- trunk of the car. They were civilians. Yeah. But they, it, it it went away. Even then, it went away. 17 total and 10 non-fatal perpetrators were John Allen John Allen Muhammad. And Lee Boyd Malvo. Malvo is the name that I remember. Yeah. John Muhammad was age 41 at the time, and Malvo was 17. Yeah. They had a 19, 1990 Chevy Caprice sedan. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first one where, where the uh, specifically the Bushmaster rifle started getting attacked. Right. Yeah. Because, oh, this is a cheap... That was actually where the whole narrative of, oh, AR-15, they're cheap, and they're easy to get. They're all, that's where all this started. Whoa. He was sentenced to death... Muhammad was in 2003 and has already died in 2009 by lethal injection. Really? Well, it's because he was shooting at people in D.C. and they wanted to see that happen quick. Holy cow. I was wondering where, 
where he got convicted that they're killing people that fast yeah. on death row. <laughs> it's not Texas. Texas has an express lane. <laughs> they they literally do. I think they they put a law in place. They either were trying to or they did where where they if you if if you were witness to have killed somebody by X amount of witnesses, you would get you would get a death sentence, but then you'd also get moved to the front of the line <laughs> at death row because there were enough people that had seen you do it. Virginia. Yeah. Virginia is where the trials were held. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, that's the thing is even that, and that was in, in the height of the, you know, right after 9-11 and the height of, you know, the, 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 the fears of, of, you know, when, when George W. Bush was making such a, a, a point to be seen in mosques and be seen with Muslims to basically say, yeah, these people are American too and we don't want to, uh, to ostracize them and we don't want to target them. This was at the height of that. And still that went away very quickly. Yep. Once we found out it wasn't some, you know, some white dude shooting out of the bed of his truck. And again, I'm, I know this sounds cynical. I know this sounds really, but this is the world that we now live in. This is what's happening. And, and, and again. Oh, they requested clemency from Virginia Governor Tim Kaine, but that was denied. Yeah. 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 He did not campaign on, campaign on that when he was running for vice president. He was pronounced president. dead at 9-11 p.m. Oh, that's just, that just mm. seems wrong. And uh, really intentional. I won't go there. <laughs> Whoops, a daisy. But but yeah, I mean that's the thing is I, I I'm just I'm I'm just so tired of of the disingenuous nature of this stuff. I'm, and it it gets into so many things. I mean I was I was listening to, I was I was listening to one particular candidate who was talking about Christianity and. Uh, was talking about being a Christian and what it actually means to be a Christian and. And we talked about it today in, in, in church. So I was like, you know, resur- resurrection being the point of Christianity. That's the thing that makes us Christians. Is we, we look at the life, we look at the death, and we look at the resurrection of Jesus and say, yes, these things, these things happen. We believe these things. And, and too many people who would claim to be Christians today, all they do is they like, we really like Jesus' teachings. We like what he said about the poor. We like what he said about the disenfranchised. We like what he said. So we're Christians because we believe those teachings. Those teachings are not the things that the disciples put no, forward. No, you're an that Easter worshiper. Right. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, 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 it's fairly true. I mean, those are not the things that the disciples put forward because the disciples got scared and ran with all of those teachings in tow. Their, their, yeah. their Messiah got arrested. Their Messiah got beaten. Their Messiah was killed. They put him in a, in a cave and buried him. And it was all done. They weren't going to continue this message. They were in hiding. But then the resurrection happened. Everything changed. So right. it's, it's resurrection. It's, it's the miracle of resurrection that changed everything and that and actually sudden, gives us a faith to have. Those dudes weren't scared of death at all. Right. And they all died. All died that way. Except for John. Except for John. Um, I know he still died in exile. Yeah, on although a, on a although island, I had an but. interesting discussion with Jared Flack who we had on here before. He said honestly, he said I'm not convinced that John died. He said I think he may still be either puttering around somewhere and we don't know where he is, or he was just taken up into heaven like Elijah was, where he never actually died. And he's like, because there's no real tradition of where and how he died. Is and all there stuff. I was historical like, context for John actually? The, not dying. Everybody or dying? going with the thing where Jesus says, "Well, what? So what is it to you if if he if he tarries until my return?" Which Jesus was just being very rhetorical in that and very like sarcastic, like mind your uh, own business. So, pe- there, there so there's a, a rumor. Of, well, and there was rumor in the and early church in the Bible that that he didn't right. die. But there so was rumor. Thought. There was rumor in the early church that that he would not die until until Christ returned. Which again, now that's over two thousand years ago. So I mean. Not likely, but you know, Jared, it's, it's one of those things that he likes to, he likes to poke the bear on and grin at you a little bit, but I genuinely think he thinks it might be a possibility. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We'll have to have him back on and and get into (laughs) some of these, some of the, some of the, the intentional weirdness, some of the loose ends. Yeah. The loose ends. (laughs) But anyway, we left off the last podcast. Yeah. But, um. Where do we go? Oh yeah. So so I I just get really the disingenuousness of looking at looking at Christianity and saying okay two thousand years of what we have looked at in moral standards and what we have looked at in 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 ethics and what we have been dictated to by being Christians by being followers of Christ now can go out the window because no 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 we like we like Jesus and we like what he said I mean but you know not this other stuff and and not the things that we consider like kind of weird like resurrection all this thing. we'll ignore all those things and again it's that it's that that perfect example of, of speaking the words, uh, you know, but denying the power, 
denying the actual power of Christ. Right. And and it it's it's it, this is all stuff that's interwoven. It's all stuff that's connected. It's why every politician is a Christian because they think that's what their demographics want them to be. Right. I mean, when was the last president you heard running that didn't claim some? And and Donald Trump himself. I mean, he's one of them. I mean, dude, dude is. Dude is heathen at best. Maybe he has had some kind of transformation as a part of, but I doubt it. I mean, he's still Donald Trump. I mean, come on. And and if anything, he's kind of a god unto himself. I, like yes. that's kind of how he's built his yes. life, where it's like totally. But even yeah. he, that whole thing of like, oh, I'm gonna do go do things in churches, and I'm gonna try to be, you know, have some of that. Like they all do it. They all do it. But when was you know? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it just all, it just all, like, just be who you are, be what you are, and let, let it, like, run on the merit of who you are. And again, granted, I, I think, I think that, that Donald Trump might be the most secure president we've ever had in that he, he just is what he is. He's a 70-some-year-old man who just is what he is, and you pretty much know what you're going to get with him Every single time. I was, I was listening to somebody who was saying, like, people keep trying to show me how terrible this dude is. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I didn't like a lot of the federal government, so my goal is to vote for a guy that would be the bull in the China shop because <laughs> I don't care that much for the China shop. He's like, I don't want somebody that's going to go in there and be the Boy Scout and keep everything neat and tidy. Yeah. I'd like somebody to put holes in the wall. Yeah. He's like, I don't necessarily even care where he puts them. <laughs> and, and he's like, so you keep showing me these tweets. So he's a bad guy. He's he's unprofessional. Are you sure? He's like, he's like because that's why I wanted him there. And I'm like, huh. That's a very interesting take, yeah. I, and and part of part of the appeal. I mean, that is part of the appeal. It's like, I don't know. I never have agreed with the people that are like, I voted well, for him on moral grounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, you, no, really? no, you did not. No, you you're did interesting. Not. No, you did not. But that was one of the things that was interesting to me, though. I I actually had um I had an opportunity to to go and and listen to to Trump speak in Cleveland. Uh, before the 2016 election, and it was in a church, um, and uh, he actually did an interview there uh, before, because there was kind of a service and some things that happened. He did an interview before, and actually Sean Hannity was there and did the whole, you know, did an interview with him. And the thing that amazed me the most about the whole thing, there were there were lots of one of the things that I did find kind of fascinating was everybody that was there endorsing him for president was either black Jewish or a woman. And this was at the height of, Oh, he's a bigot. He's a sexist. He's a racist. Um, uh, at the, it was, it was like at the beginning of that. Or, or you just, no, because that, it was, it, it was, it was, it, I think it just kind of shook out. Like that was his team of people. That was who he had at the time. Um, but the, the, well, one even of the things, on The Apprentice, if you oh, watch The yeah. Apprentice, everyone that helped him out on that show was always Jewish. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, you can't make an anti-Semite out of Donald Trump. <laughs> well, it takes a lot of hardware. It's, it's, it was his daughter or every that converted every and... one of his children that is of marrying age is married to a Jewish person. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing: he he sat in in this place that was it was it was a it was a Cleveland church, and it was majority black audience. And when when asked what he thought one of the greatest crime prevention tools in New York was. He thought for a second, and he said, "He said, I know this is unpopular, but I really think that stop and frisk was a really good thing." And he got boos in the audience because this is a majority, like this is a majority black church, majority, and and they were not happy hearing that because that has really been a contentious uh, thing racially right. and whatever. And he literally, in that moment, he looked at me and said, "He said, I know. He said, I know it's not popular. He said, but I saw it work." Like I saw it bring crime rates down. He said, so he said, I'm not saying we should do that nationally. He said, but it worked really well. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there you go. Like how many politicians are going to, and again, I'm not, yeah, I'm the not trying to go answer is anything, but that, anything, right? but that. And, th and that's the thing. I'm like, I'm not saying this to try to prop up Donald Trump or make anybody think whatever of him. <laughs> I'm just saying just the, when I, when I watch somebody like a, I mean, Lord bless her, I almost feel sorry for her now. Like an Elizabeth Warren who is literally just throwing stuff up against the wall to see what what hits and sticks. Like, that is her I don't know that she's a terribly adept politician. I think that no. a lot of people want her to 
rise up through because they believe in some of the things that she believes in. But I, but I don't think that she is adept enough to understand what people identify with in her and like what her distinctives are and being able to articulate she, she them clearly. She doesn't know what her constituents want her to be. Right. And she's trying to figure that out. And it shows so badly. Um, and, 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 and again, I, I think I think the struggle for any of these candidates, if in the in the Democrat Party, is that you will have to, sorry, Democratic Party, um, <laughs> you will have to pander, you will have to, you will have to give strict adherence to a fringe leftist movement. Yes, like they will not allow you to deviate. Bernie is the Bernie is the thermostat of the party right now. Uh, on all the way on the fringe left, like yeah. you have to be a dyed-in-the-wool socialist like Bernie, and be like pro-environment, anti-GMO. Like you got to run a, there's down. A there's a list. whole list. The list is really long of all the things you've got to adhere to. But in order to win nationally, you got to pick up Rust Belt Union Democrats and have them in your back pocket, and Southern Democrats, in you know, Democrats from all kinds of different places and streams that Trump won yeah. with. He won with Southern Democrats. He won with Rust Belt Democrats. Yeah. And that's what happened in the 2016 election. As soon as Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan went, it was over. Yeah. Nobody else even needed to vote. Right. When Penn the there is no path to the presidency without changing the Electoral College that does not have to include Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. And they're going to lose Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan if they keep a strict adherence to that fringe left. The guy, the guy or girl that's going to win, or the man or woman that's going to win the Democrat nomination and win the presidency is the one that can deviate from the fringe left and still not move close enough to Trump right that that you still look different enough right but that's difficult to do because Trump himself is a democrat that just got enough republican to get elected mhm mm mhm and then got pushed further and further right, right and the continue and continuing to do so and and uh, and people don't understand that about about Trump because they look at his tweet, you know, congratulating Nick Bosa for being drafted yeah. number two in the draft, and like, wow, that's a big slight to Kyler Murray. And I'm like, you guys still don't get this. Yeah. Over two years in, you still don't get this. He likes people that like him. Right. <laughs> he doesn't like people that don't like him. Nick Bosa likes him. Yeah. He's going to congratulate him. Right. You don't get it. The reason he doesn't like you is because you don't like him. If you would like him, you could get him to do stuff for you. <laughs> Like all yeah, you would have very to say is, equation. "Hey, we love you a lot. How about banning guns?" <laughs> you know, it, it's that type of thing, it, and that sounds absurd. Yeah, but you could start there. Yeah, well, and and that's the thing too with with looking at this whole thing is, you know, the electoral college is a perfect example. I have never heard somebody on the right complain about the electoral college. People would say it's because it favors the right, but, but only recently. Only recently, but I've never heard it. I've never heard it. Yeah, we should have abandoned the Electoral College. But every single freaking time somebody wins a popular vote, like they loved the Electoral College when Barack Obama got elected twice. No words about it at all. Nobody said a thing. It was great. Yeah. But that was not the case with, with Gore and Bush. Then we were having the, oh, we should get rid of the Electoral College. It's not fair. It's not democratic. We're not a democracy. We're a representative Republican, a republic. And the states elect the president, not the people. The yeah. people vote in their state, and then the states elect the president because the states have enough autonomy. And every <laughs> single one of these Democratic candidates who were lawyers and professors, they know it. And they think the American people are stupid. Stupid enough that if they just say the Electoral College is not fair long enough, they'll try to get rid of it, and then New York and California can rule the entire thing for the rest of our lives. And yeah. they can just go on pandering to those extreme outside sources and win the presidency, win Congress, do all these things. Well, win the presidency because Congress isn't the Electoral College. But anyway, and, and I'm just – again, these kind of things where it's like you're, you're – 
You're pandering to a base who just wants you to win, and you think that everybody else is stupid enough that they're going to follow along with you just because, well, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We're supposed to be a democracy, and that's what we do. Maybe in another 100 years they'll be able to pass that off since they've had control of the education system as long as they have. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just like, no, like you know this isn't true. Right. You just don't like it because it doesn't favor you right now. We Work have- harder. Like, work harder. Find things that work for the... I mean, a guy like Bill Clinton... This is the system we're in. It's like it's like the NFL rules. You might not like the rules, but we're all playing this season. We're all playing the same game. And, and we're going to play, and your goal is to win the championship. There was a senator came through the place where I work, and obviously he's pushing something and whatever, but he came through the place where I work, and somebody was like, if you could ask the senator anything, what would you ask him? And I'm like... Uh, if you if senators went back to being appointed by the governor, how would that change Which they the should way be. <laughs> the way that you currently govern? I I would honestly like to know because I think that the way the constitution was written where senators did not have to pander to the entire yeah. state the way a governor does. Dude, we already did this with the governor. You got the political temperature yep. of the state and you get it every 4 years. Yeah, you, we don't need to do it every six yep. again, or every three, or some odd thing for a senator election. They should just come up, and whoever's governor at the time is like, yeah, well, and that's I'm what put, the house. I'm going to put in whoever I think is most. That's responsible. what the House of Representatives is for: is to be directly elected by the people. Yeah, it's that's the what people's it's for. house. Yeah, and then the Senate is supposed to be part of the establishment yeah. and all of that. That you're supposed. And to there's have- a reason that things go through the House first. Right, because the people That's who have been elected get... by the people, then pass it on to the people who have been appointed, and, and the, so on and so forth. The whole thing is set up to not get bills passed. I, I but the thing is, I guarantee you, most Good of the people that may most start of the, in the people, house, but bad ideas start in the house too. Yes, but I guarantee you, most of the people that we're talking that are listening to us right now have no idea that senators have not always been directly elected. Yeah. This I mean, is the thing. We, we just push. They push narratives. They, they want power. They want, they want to have control. And, so, and this isn't just a leftist thing. And this is not. It's just, it's just the flavor of what's going on right now. No, right now, the left right is, left right now the left is not in power, so they're the ones that are, that are doing all of this crap. And, and so, so right now they're the target of the day. You know, give me, give me another 10 years, and there's going to be a right-wing target that I'm going to be ranting about here too. But like, I'm just so sick of it. Like, stop. Like, stop. It's ridiculous. And everybody knows you're lying. Everybody knows this is ridiculous, other than the people who are already in your camp. Who are you pandering to? You're not gaining anybody. Like, just at least pretend to be honest. Or at least pretend to, like, have some intellectual integrity with this stuff. Just drives me nuts. This might be the most ranty I've ever been. But I've been storing this up for a couple of weeks. I think that that... that that if the Senate was appointed by the governors, yes. you wouldn't have to have what the Democratic Party had with superdelegates in choosing oh. in choosing their candidate. And I went on a long rant before about this in, in how we should do all of our primary voting in one day and and have it all out at one time rather than go state by state and meander through this process. But in the end, the Democrats didn't even go with their state by state voting the superdelegates get to decide yeah. most of the time anyway yeah. and and Bernie you, would have been your nominee last if last you, cycle if you had senators that were appointed by governors rather than by the people you would already have the good old boys club or women uh, obviously there'd be a lot there would probably be a lot more, more women, women in, in the, the senate, senate right yeah now, no doubt if that was true because a governor would feel political pressure to do right. different things but the the senate is supposed to be more stable and more status quo and bring some like experience and stability the reason senators are appointed by the governors is because he's gonna should be as yeah, yeah were is because he's going to support somebody that's actually got experience because it's reflective on him who yeah. he puts there. He's not going to put some fresh-faced guy out of, well, wherever, Pennsylvania, Illinois, <laughs> in in there and say, you know, yeah, sure, have at it. Why because not? if that guy goes in there and screws up in the Senate, it reflects directly on the governor, and the governor has to get reelected. Yeah. And so I realize that people think there might have been corruption there, but there is a stabilizing factor. Yeah. And if you had that in American politics, you wouldn't need superdelegates. You could let the people 
pick their candidate for president. Let the people pick their house person. Let the people do this kind of stuff. But in a republic, there's stabilizing factors built in. And the more of these we eliminate, we start to eliminate the, the distinctions between states. So then everything is built off the House of Representatives yeah. and not off of the Senate model. Yeah. We start to lose the idea that, oh, the Senate, you get two senators per state, no matter how populous your state is. Right. Well, that seems unfair. <laughs> Why should Hawaii get to outvote California? I mean, if you have a problem with the Electoral College, you have a big problem with the Senate. I, and right? that's the thing. I've, I, like... I've I've cooled down compared to how hot I was when when the electoral college was been like Hillary Clinton just came out against it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you were really mad about that. And I did, and like, I don't I don't remember if that was well, you that oh, I yeah. that I voxed about that or if that was my cousin. I think you you voxed somebody else and played it for me. Oh, I was just so mad. I was just so mad. I was so mad, and I and I was I was like, this is like borderline treasonous, like with this this power grab that people are trying to yeah. make, and I'm like, you don't ah oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. It it just frustrates me. Well, we promised you guys that we would get another podcast in this week, and there it was. There was. I think we did something. Yes, so. I apologize. No, I'm not going to apologize for my rantiness. No. But yeah, it was. It, don't trust media outlets. Don't trust the narrative. Like, go read things. Like, learn things for yourself. Learn how our government was meant to function. Learn about. People are not going to be honest with you when power is in play. Well, I think... They're just not. There's a verse in the Bible that says that you should not move the old boundary stones. Mm. And I'm, I'm a little bit more revolutionary than that when it comes yeah. to politics. I think there are some things that need to change. Totally. I think, you know, you can't always stay with the status quo. But I think it's a good rule to follow that when someone comes to you and this... Say a boundary stone. It's been there for a long time. It was set up there by someone before, and it marks something in particular. And there's a reason they set it up, and they put it there, and they called it a boundary stone. Now when it's being moved, we need to think a little bit about who is asking us to move it and, and why. why. No doubt. And this applies in business. This applies in culture. It applies a lot of different places. It's no reason to shut down your people that have revolutionary ideas and just say, oh, no, you can't touch that. This yeah. is a sacred cow. But it is something to consider before you go ahead and move it. So, yes. Anyway. Measured words of wisdom from Sheldon after my, <laughs> my airing of my grievances. For once, I was less ranty. That's right. It was, it was apparently my turn. It was apparently my turn. But as always, guys, thanks so much for listening to us. Yep. Um, we're probably going to have a guest here again in the next couple of weeks. We um, hope to. Yeah, we hope to. We hope to. We have plans. So We have plans. But again, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.